So in the chapter on the key judicial trends that we discuss in the report, uh, we have of course looked at a number of ways in which uh, copyright infringement and enforcement mechanisms work, right. which include John Doe orders, notice and takedown, notice and stay down, mm -hmm. uh, some of the new ones like live blocking and dynamic injunctions, etc. Um, so, but for example, in John Doe, which has been around for a number of years, mm -hmm. uh, what we have sort of recommend, recommended is to have unambiguous, clear standards mm -hmm. on how infringing websites and URLs can be identified, how um, how to prevent overblocking, uh, right. and we have sort of provided some case studies in that regard. Um, and most importantly, I think we've spoken about. Uh, how courts can um, sort of increase state, we can, we've talked about state capacity and how that can be increased uh, in the case of India so that courts which are already overburdened with a number of cases can have an independent sort of uh, verification body, right. either court assisting the courts or certified by the courts mm -hmm. or the government etc. Uh, to sort of help verify the authenticity of the uh, infringing website lists that copyright holders bring to the court itself. Right. Um, but I was wondering in 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 terms of time sensitive content, mm -hmm. like say live sports, etc. Um, it will be great if you can sort of discuss what are the new sort of judicial jurisprudence that's developing in this uh, area. Sure. So uh, one thing that we've looked at in the report is something that the UK has done mm -hmm. with respect to live blocking, which mm -hmm. is specifically geared towards uh, mm -hmm. live sports events. Which obviously mm -hmm. most of the commercial value there is only derived during the course right. of the broadcast itself so it's not most people are likely to only watch it during the broadcast right. and not really too much after right. so in that case what's happened is i mean the the case we've discussed is the football association premier league versus mm. british telecommunications but uh, so they've explored live blocking as a remedy and sort of how they've gone about it is it's a wider um, it's a wider relief to the rights mm. holders because what the courts will direct you to do is to block the servers that host these mm. feeds themselves, that host feeds of infringing content themselves. Mm. But because it's also a wider remedy, they also have a bunch of safeguards, which is mm. what, which is kind of the reason that we've uh, gone into these. Because if we do adopt this kind of mm. um, this kind of remedy in India as well, it's important to kind of see what the safeguards are that we can adopt as well. So maybe what they've looked at, for example, is just restricting the block to mm. just the time of broadcast. Mm. Uh, they send a notice to each, mm. you know, each uh, person who's, I mean, each website that is apparently hosting infringing mm. content. Mm. They reset the names of this, of each servers every week. So there's a lot of steps that they take to make sure mm. that it isn't overbroad. And mm. so these are some things that we can look at in India as well. Right. If we choose to go down this path for dealing right. with live sports. So, I mean, the so similar to John Doe, like where you have right. sort of procedural clarity and right. safeguards in the process right. itself. Yeah. Um, another, I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about the evolving jurisprudence around intermediary liability, which is sort of the domain of internet governance. Yeah. But we're seeing more and more of these cases playing out in the domain of copyright uh, laws itself. Right. Uh, so maybe you can talk a little bit about how intermediary liability uh, and the issues surrounding it are uh, sort of linking in to these issues of copyright enforcement as well. Sure. So, I mean, uh, in terms of what the system is in India, we follow a notice and takedown system right mm. now, right? Which is, which like you said, is part of the larger intermediary liability framework. Mm. But it's also something that copyright holders have to rely on. So right. right now what happens is if a YouTube hosts an infringing link, for example, whoever owns a copyright will have to reach out to YouTube each time. Mm. YouTube, I mean, the way the liability framework has developed more than just what's in the law 
is that right now uh, their only intermediaries are only required to take down content if they receive a court or a government order that's what shreya singhal told us and also that they are only liable if they have actual knowledge mm. of infringing content itself right so that's the case that that's that, that's the situation that we're in mm. right now uh, obviously this has led to a situation where rights holders are not very happy because and you can see why also because it's it's really cumbersome it can be really expensive for them to keep approaching the same platform with mm. respect to like different iterations of the same mm. Mm. uh infringing content that they have on different videos different streams uh, things of that sort but i think what's interesting right now is that the cons the sort of whole construct of intermediary liability is undergoing a sort of really drastic shift i mean it's happening in really small ways right now but we know that even right, even the government is going to come out with its yeah. revised intermediary liability rules in january right. so we'll have to see how that affects copyright yeah. but another thing that's happened recently uh, not just in india but this happened in the delhi high court in ramdev versus facebook and it's also happened in the european court of justice mm-hmm. judgments as well is dealing with global takedowns mm-hmm. so this raises questions of how exactly even when a court in a certain country mandates that certain content is taken down globally because a lot of these companies are headquartered in the US mm. which have uh, fairly extensive first amendment free speech protections so just to see how and whether or not that global takedown regime actually succeeds and in what way um mm. it sort of develops is going to be really interesting to see and we actually have a little bit of um we have a little clue as to how it might progress so for example a few years ago there was a case in canada where uh, there was a this was primarily a trademark infringement and like counterfeiting related case where uh, you had a manufacturer of certain it products you had one of their distributors passing off like certain uh mm. counterfeit products as as their own and also like manufacturing things based on their trade secrets and trying mm. to sell it themselves so it wound its way up to the Supreme Court of Canada mm. which basically told Google to uh de-index those websites globally. Mm-hmm. Now Google said that it wouldn't do that citing free speech and privacy and those sort of concerns and so it took it to court in the in a district court in the US which basically held that because of its implications for free speech and because of potentially diluting intermediary liability uh protections Google essentially wasn't needed to uh, wasn't required to take down this content globally. Right. So you'll see a lot of pushback of this sort I'm assuming in different cases especially depending on which country is the one that right. asks for the content to be taken down and you know so that right. will be interesting to see yeah and i think uh, we should also note that the european uh, sort of copyright directive that came out spoke a lot about proactive filtering and also imposing new kinds of liabilities on intermediaries as well right and yeah. that will also probably have an impact on the way copyright law develops in the yeah so th- i think that's also been again it depends on who you ask because there are always going to be uh, so this is similar to the notice and stay down system that's mm-hmm. also been explored mm-hmm. by a few other countries mm-hmm. but and it's the same thing that the uh, yeah. article 17 of the copyright directive asks which is basically that once a rights holder tells you that look this is something that's infringing and uh, you need to take it down then it's on the platform to then monitor their right. platform basically right. to make sure that that same piece of content isn't yeah. uh, doesn't show up in some other iteration yeah. on their platform again now the sort of issues there are with this is that one uh, platform say and a lot of technologists also say that the uh, the sort of tools that are automatic like um, detection tools that are available to platforms right now aren't at a stage where you can accurately pick up all yeah. forms of infringing content you have privacy concerns because what it essentially requires you to do is uh, basically go through each piece of content that's uploaded mm-hmm. which you know has its own values you have 
free speech considerations because again if one is once it's taken down it's very hard to get it reinstated mm -hmm. and two is that again you know platforms are likely to over censor rather than under right. because otherwise they're opening themselves up to wide liability and also again this has implications for their existing safe harbor provisions mm -hmm. which require them to be passive sort of conduits in order to actually be able to receive mm -hmm. the benefits of safe harbor and so how much can you interfere with the kind of right. content that's available on your platform before you lose those protections. So again, all of these are issues that are being rethought at the moment and you have different decisions coming out saying different things. So I think, I mean, this is something again that we'll have to track to see how it plays out. Right.